You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Thanks for downloading this week's episode of the Attacking Scrum podcast. It's been an incredibly strange year, as we all know, particularly with COVID-19. And I think everyone's felt a little bit helpless while all of this has been going on, which is why we went down the route of trying to create some generally entertaining podcasts, uh, because there wasn't really a a huge amount that anyone could do or or say about COVID-19 with any real authority. But in amongst all of that, there's also been the hugely unnerving and unsettling racial tension, uh, both in America and in the UK. And that's something where we can uh, we can kind of talk about this, and in particular because there is a fantastic ambassador and incredibly uh, knowledgeable guy on the subject working within Welsh rugby, and that's Ashton Hewitt. And uh, delighted to, to have Ashton join us this week uh, to talk not only about... Um, uh, about racial tension and social activism and, and all of these things that uh, are incredibly important and he talks hugely eloquently about but also to chat about rugby as well because we have got a season around the corner and um, he's just a great guy to be able to to talk to to about both of these things so really hope you enjoyed this episode um, so yeah kind of split into two parts of some some very serious stuff and then also kind of getting back to, to talking about rugby uh, so yeah, big thanks to Ashton for doing it, and uh, as always, a big thanks to our sponsors at So Coffee Trades, and uh, you can get some coffee at socoffeetrades.co.uk. Now deep in the 22, Dixon could be on for Hewitt in the corner, and it is! Ashton Hewitt gets a second try for the Dragons, and that is brilliantly done. A period of defending, and suddenly they all switched on, and that is an excellent try. Tell me what you call a long way. I'd like to say that I'm now joined by Ashton here, Dragons winger. Uh, Ashton, great to have you on the show, and we're uh, we're really looking forward to to talking uh, some rugby with you, which we'll be doing later on in this episode. But first, while you know, while other players have been perhaps lying low during lockdown, you've been heavily involved in in social activism, speaking out about, you know, about racial injustice. I guess the first question is, is how are you? Because this can't have been an easy time for you. Yeah, first of all, thanks for having me. And uh, 
um, it's good to be on the show. But um, yeah, I'm not I'm not too bad at the moment. You know, it's it's been going on for a um, a few months now, so it's keeping me busy on on top of other things going on, um, including rugby, obviously. But um, when it first started, it was a bit intense. I was a bit new to the you know you know twitter and and the storms that can happen on there so so that was quite a shock but um yeah i've sort of taken it in my stride now i'm a bit i'm a bit more used to things so um my head's in a bit of a better place oh, it's good to hear and uh you know obviously we've we've seen some of those not just not just the spats on twitter but you seem to be really keen to you know to talk calmly with people and uh and, and educate people too you know but that that in turn has still prompted you know some some abuse and criticism and and things like that have you been tempted to pack it in and save yourself the turmoil of having to deal with trolls um not so much tempted to pack it in because i do really um believe that the momentum um gathered over the last few months is really important to maintain um so no matter how much abuse and, and stuff I get, I've never thought of packing it in. It's just sometimes, you know, it gets a bit more difficult to stick to the message you're trying to you're trying to send out. And, you know, from the start of this whole um this whole, you know, conversation, um, I've I've sort of taken the stance, like you said, on education and rather than kicking off with people who say, you know, some ignorant things is to try and educate them and open their mind and eyes a little bit more. But um, the longer it went on, the, the more difficult you'd find it with some people and you start to realise that, you know, some people just aren't open to learning at all. So it's all of a case of picking and uh, picking and choosing your battles and trying to, trying to gauge who you're talking and communicating with because some people don't want to hear what you've got to say and the reasons behind it. Um, you know, whereas others have, have openly admitted being wrong and, you know, have been open to learning. So it's, it's you know, there, there's a lot of um, mixed feelings throughout the conversations that I've had. But, um, you know, it's never one of packing it in. It's just uh, education for me, really. And, yeah, talking to people who clearly don't want to learn, you ended up being in, a, a, you know, a pretty horrible Twitter, a Twitter spat with Katie Hopkins, which resulted in her getting banned from the platform, which, you know, a, a few months ago, it's probably a headline none of us imagined would uh, <laughs> would have happened. Tell, tell us what happened yeah. there. Well, it was it was much to my surprise that, you know, I woke up one day and it, it was actually her response to me that got her um, finally kicked off Twitter. Um, which many had been waiting for for a long time. So um, that drew quite a bit of attention. But basically, um, it was around the, the whole Marcus um, Rashford situation and, you know, and the efforts he was going to with the government and writing his letters to try and sort out the school meals for, mm. um, you know, underprivileged um, children across the country. Um, you know, and while he was... He was acting on that. Katie Hopkins had some, you know, unsurprisingly, some horrible things to say about it and, and you know, sort of tried to undermine everything that he was doing. And she was as insensitive as ever. So, um, you know, I don't follow her on Twitter and I purposely didn't tag her. So, that, yeah. you know, to sort of avoid, you know, what happened actually happening. But, 
you know, whether somebody made her aware of it or she just searched her own name because she's desperate for attention or what, I don't know. But she saw it and she replied, um, you know, with with a statement, um, something about being hung like a baboon. But, you know, she, she, unfortunately, she's smart enough to... Uh, to be able to reference it back to something else so that it's not the the only meaning that everyone took from it, if that makes sense. So It, um, it does make sense because it's, yeah, you're exactly right. As as vicious and, and vitriolic as she is, she made some, you know, kind of covering her ass style um, remark. But, you know, she knew, you know, she knew full well what she was doing by by you know by 100%. using that kind of language um but, you know as i say it's, it's resulted in her getting banned from that do you think twitter is starting to actually kind of clamp down on um on hate speech because this kind of stuff has been you know has been has been rife on that platform for a long time it has and you know you see you see the big debate about you know freedom of speech and mm-hmm. stuff like that and you know i don't really know the ins and outs of you know, legislation behind what was free speech, was you know, hate and and whatnot. But at the end of the day, you know what's right and what's wrong and what the majority of people want to hear and what they don't at the end mm-hmm. of the day. So that's, that's sort of the way that I look at it. But in terms of social media, I think they've got a lot more to do. And, you know, it made the news and whatever because it's Katie Hopkins and she had yeah. a big following and she was just outrageous in her statements. But, you know, there's... There's millions, or you know, there's millions of people on on these platforms that you know have the same views, and they have you know hateful views and dangerous views, and you know you can see by you know it's not long, um, only a couple of weeks ago that Zaha, the football player, was receiving racial abuse. You know, uh, the England cricketer over the last couple of days because he made a mistake and. You know, it's constant. You probably hear more stories about it now because race and ethnicity is at the forefront of, of conversation. But people have been, you know, s- spreading these views and, and dishing out racism for a long, long time. And there's been plenty, of course, for social media platforms to do their part about yeah. it, whether it be, you know, sort of verifying every account and every user so that they can't be trolls and whatever. But um, there definitely needs to be more done because, you know, it's, it's, it's just horrible for people to have to experience it. You know, it is. And the, I mean, the, the Zaha example you mentioned there is, is beyond sickening. Um, and what's more kind of alarming, I guess, is that abuse turned out to be from a 12-year-old. Um, does yeah. that just show how deep the problem lies? 100%, because, you know, we're... Where's that twelve-year-old learning? You know where where to get those images, and you know the the statements he's making and the the racist, derogatory remarks that he expresses. Where is he where is he getting that from, and who's setting him straight on it? And that's that's the biggest worry, and that's why education is the most you know is the most important thing because. You know, you'd like to think that a 12-year-old can sort of unlearn those behaviours. Um, so so they just need the right support and, and education to, to have the right mindset and sort of outlook. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's a really interesting one. And the whole social media thing is, 
you know, for, for all of that, it's such a, a difficult um, thing to balance because for all of this, you know, the, the hideous vitriolic hate that, that goes on, if you look at the way at, at you know, an athlete like Raheem Sterling uh, or, or Rashford, as you've said there, has used their, their platform as, as athletes through social media, they've really changed perceptions. If you look at the way Sterling was portrayed in the mainstream media a couple of years ago, um, you know, it was very much one of uh, a spoiled, you know, a spoiled young footballer. And then you compare that to actually the the positive stories he's been able to tell through social media, the kind of stuff that, that Marcus Rashford is doing. Uh, you know, it, it does show that social media has a role to play um, if, you, if you're able to use it in the right and a positive way. 100%. And, uh, you know, no... <laughs> you see people making businesses through social media it's just you know it's, it's 2020 and and social media is a huge huge part of you know society and, and everyone's lives um for the most part but um i 100 percent agree you know it, it's really important that role models um are comfortable in you know standing up for what they believe despite any criticisms that they may have and start changing perceptions because at the end of the day, if if you carry on behaving in a certain way and expressing yourself in a certain way, then, you know, it becomes more and more difficult for people to talk a certain way about you. So um, the way that, you know, uh, the likes of Sterling, like you said, is being portrayed in the media, along with other football players, um, compared to white football players. And even if you look outside the sport and if you look at, um, young black men um, in general and young uh, men from other ethnic backgrounds, um, you know, it's, it's constantly, um, you know, they're, they're portrayed negatively a, a lot of the time. And that, you know, that has an influence on general society's perception of, of black people or those minorities. Um, and, and that's just part of the, the general wider issue of race in this country. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. And you've spoken, as I said, on some of these interviews, you've spoken about in the past when you were playing growing up, you felt like you kind of normalised racism. Do you feel like by making a stand now like you have, that's going to encourage, uh, you know, young black and ethnic minority boys and girls to play the game and also to, to, call, out, uh, to call out prejudice when they see it? I hope, I hope so. Um... You know, and I, would it, I don't know if it definitely will or not, but I can sort of do my part to try. Um, because going, all I can go on is, is how I felt when I was growing up. Um, so, you know, if, if it was against opposition and stuff, you know, I'd sort of act out maybe in the wrong way. Obviously, I'd be upset, um, you know, but other forms of racism that I've experienced, I've just let slide because, like you said, it, it was sort of normalised and, you know, being, um, you know, in some environments, I was the only black person mm. um, in the environment that I, was, I wasn't comfortable standing up and saying, you know, this is not or, or whatever. And I'm sure that's been the case for, for many people, um, you know, whether it be in work or their sports team or in school or whatever it may be. Um, you know, I know that I felt like that, so you know it wouldn't be too much of a reach to to expect other people to have felt the same way. So hopefully, it, it encourages people to sort of stand up, um, 
you know, and feel comfortable about addressing any issues that they may have. Yeah, yes, it's a great point. And if you think dressing rooms can be a really tough place and there's lots of, for want of a better word, banter flying around, it does show, though, how important it is for for other players to call it out as it is, you know. Um, So there's, you know, you're kind of eliminating the grey areas. And it's tough, but it's all part of an education process, isn't it? 100%. And, uh, and, you know... I've I've experienced racism in in different environments, and, and when I have in rugby, um, the majority of the times it has been down to the, you know, the culture of of banter. Because no matter what it is, you know, it's it's just one of those sports environments where, you know, they can joke about anything without any intent behind it, and you know, and that's why it was so easy for me to, on many occasions, not you know, kick up a fuss about or or whatever because it was it, it was pretty harmless. But you know, over over time I've sort of I sort of started to understand and think that you know, sometimes it was uncomfortable and you know, it wasn't really fair for me to feel that way at at my expense. So it did need to be addressed. And the main point for me is, you know, if you don't let racism slide in any form, um, you know, in any environment, then there's no excuse then because, you know, you'll find that, um, you know, you don't want people saying, oh, but he said that this, or why can't I say it? Or he said that. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I mean, friends of people think it's comfortable to say things that, um they thought maybe you'd be okay with and, and it just creates a whole a whole lot of confusion around the conversation of racism and i just think if you just cut it all out you know including the harmless banter then it sends a a, a, a lot more clear message yeah you're absolutely right and uh, i'd say we're, we're going to come on and, and chat about rugby very very quickly but you know, you've been you've been doing the doing the rounds on on podcasts and interviews and and the stuff that you're yeah. saying is re- is really important stuff. Um, and the one thing that keeps coming up is that education is the is the key to to changing attitudes. You know, not just in Wales, but but society as a whole. Yeah. How do we how do we practically go about doing that though, Ash? Um, well, I think it's a case of um, you know when when you're looking at adults. You, you have to take um, a certain level of, of self-responsibility um, and sort of educate yourself, um, you know, whether it be by reading and doing further research, you know, and, and look past a lot of the headlines and statistics that you might see that form your views. Um, that that would be one thing. I'd, I'd say another thing is um, if there's something you're unsure about, um, you know, I say this to people I know. I don't want people to be worried about offending me if they've got a genuine question to ask. Um, I think that's really important. Um, just make sure um, you know you, you're quite sensitive and asking those questions if if it is something that's you know that's really serious. Um, and I think the curriculum needs to change um, in terms of. Um, educating on, first of all, Britain's um, involvement in 
you know, the slave trade and and how that they've sort of erased a whole heap of history, um, you know, to, to sort of fit their um, image of being a of being a great country. I think there's there's a lot of honesty that needs to be taken on, not just by the country, but you know, by institutions and businesses and teams. Um, I think history has to be accounted for and, and there'd be some honesty. Um, and, and also acknowledging um, contributions that black and ethnic minority groups have made to the country on a whole. Um, they're, they're probably the main ones, really. Maybe a bit of a more lengthy answer than you expected, but that's, uh, so sorry about that. But they're the main things, I think, really. No, not at all. Like, I, I think it's, um, yeah, the, the work and the, and, and the things that you're saying are just such important things for us to, to get to grips with. So uh, look, we really appreciate you talking about it with us. And uh, we're going to come on to talking about some rugby because uh, we, uh, we do have a, a season to complete. I say we, I, you know, as if I've got anything to do with it. But uh, there, is a season, <laughs> there is a season to be completed and we're going to talk about that uh, after this very, very quick break. Right, Ashton, time to time for us to chat about some rugby now. Um, obviously, been a bit of a bit of a, of a, a strange old season with this uh, with this enforced hiatus in the middle of it, but uh, some pretty encouraging performances down at the Dragons. Uh, how much uh, how much are you encouraged, and and how much uh, kind of, a, of an impact has uh, has Dean Ryan and the coaching team made to the uh, made to those improved performances? Uh, massive, um, you know, Dean. Um, you know, came in with a with a bit of a reputation that the boys had heard about, so everyone was a little bit nervous on his, uh, you know, awaiting his arrival. But um, I think we've all been quite shocked. For for me, anyway, you know, what I haven't been coached in the way that um, Dean has approached it, and you know, I think everyone's just got huge amounts of of energy and positivity coming from the way that he's managing the boys at the moment. Um, you know, and and throughout the season, um, I, was, I think everyone was just just really positive, to be honest. And you know, we're shown in our some of our results. Some results haven't gone our way, but you know, we're, we're playing a lot better as a team, and everyone's just busting to, to get back to it, really. And uh, yeah, obviously, you say they came with with something of a of a reputation. Is that you know, is that kind of disciplinarian reputation justified, or um, you know, is it is it something that's been perhaps exaggerated a little bit over the years? Um, I'm, uh, you know, when when we're not um, when we're not performing, or you know, we really are slacking, whether it be in training or going away from a game plan in a game, you know, he'll let us know. Um, but it's nothing drastic, nothing um, nothing out of the ordinary, really. You know, he gets frustrated when, when he rightly deserves to be frustrated with us and, and at the same time we'll be frustrated with ourselves. But there's been nothing extreme, you know. He's, I don't think he's uh, upset anyone at, um, so far. So, so we're in a good place. 
yeah, more a question of uh, yeah, of expecting expecting certain standards and stuff than uh, than anything else. Um, I guess you know, I suppose having had you know, a fair amount of injury problems yourself, has like actually having a bit of a a bit of a long layoff, giving your body a bit of time to recover. Is you know, is there is there perhaps a bit of a positive in there in that you know being away from full contact training and games has perhaps given you a bit more a bit more recovery time than you would have ordinarily had. Yeah, maybe for the first couple of months, but then it, uh, it got a bit of a drag then. So, yeah, initially it was, you know, it was all right. You were getting your training done, you know, weights in the garden, going on your own runs and stuff. You know, like I said, the main thing, probably staying away from contact, um, which does uh, some favours for the body. Um, but that's probably, you know, the initial, you know, the initial period of, of lockdown. Um, but, you know the last um the last few weeks of it have, have been a bit of a drag and it's been such a relief now to just get back into training even though it's not you know for full training it's just nice to have some sort of sense of uh normality back how uh yeah what's it been like going back into training give us a flavor for kind of how, how training in uh in a I guess a, a lockdown scenario is a, is a bit different. What's it been like in, in camp the last couple of weeks? It's been very different. We've got a, um, well, we're obviously in, in a lot smaller groups than, um, you know, than we would be usually and training as a team. We're not even in full unit groups yet. So mm. um, the backs are split into groups and, and the forwards are split into groups. Um, so that's probably the first weird thing is that, you know, you're in your little bubble. Um, doing your skills and conditioning and stuff. Uh, the gym is very strict um, on where you can go. You're sort of trapped in, in your little rack, really, with, with all your clean-down equipment that you have to make sure you wash everything down with uh, yourself when you're done. And and that's probably one of the biggest changes as well is the, um, you know, the sort of protocol from start to finish in terms of the route you drive in, um, no lift sharing, getting your temperature checked, parking up you've got to wash your hands every two minutes or so um, to make sure you're clean um, you're only allowed sort of around the one-way system around the building um, and onto the pitch and off the pitch so um, it looks very different in that aspect as well as, as no team meetings and stuff like that so it's going to take a bit of getting used to but like I said it's just it's just nice to be back in in some sort of capacity yeah, no. While we're while we're talking about the backs, been yeah, a few exciting signings in the back division at the Dragons, like said Nick Tompkins and, and Jonah Holmes coming in. Uh, how excited are you to play alongside these guys? Really excited. Yeah, you know, um, um, I've trained with them um, a few times with uh, with Wales, um, so uh, it's not the first time me seeing them or or getting to know them, which is great. Um, but like you said, it, it just adds excitement to our back line, you know, gives Dean options um, and, and gives us depth, maybe takes a bit of pressure off of, off of the boys as well um, in terms of, of being available and, and sort of manning injuries and stuff like that. So um, it, it just creates a real healthy environment, you know, when there's, when there's healthy competition, everyone's fighting for a spot, um, you know, it, it adds different characters to the squad. and you know, overall, it's just beneficial for the club, really, and individuals. Yeah, because, I mean, there's there's uh, lots of, 
it, it's a really interesting phase, isn't it? Because you, you're bringing in these guys who've, who've got experience and are internationals. Then there's guys like yourself who've been at the club for a long time, but you're out of that that mould of being kind of the promising youngsters. You know, I'm thinking of guys like yourself and, yeah. and Jack Dixon and and, and yeah. guys who've been playing since you know since you're kind of 18 years old. Um, is there a bit more pressure now for you to be you know to be like a a leader within that team and bringing through the the next generation of uh, of, uh, of young talent because there's, there's there's so much yeah there's there's so many great yeah. prospects coming through that side definitely and um, you know it's been a bit of a weird um, transition for me because you know the dragons as a whole really we've always been looked at as you know the, the young region mm. who are always providing opportunities for the for their academy boys and their homegrown talent and stuff and. And like you said, is is you know over the last couple of years now that's probably part of my career that's gone by, and and now it's sort of my responsibility along with others to you know try and do what we can to to help lead and and develop along with the coaches, the the players um, that are coming through with the with the likes of Rio. You know, I'd like to think mm. that um, he'd sort of look up to me the way that I looked up to Alec Brew or. Or you know, there's there's, there's similar um, comparisons across the squad, really. So, like you said, we've got amazing, um, amazing talent, um, like a Niren. Um, you know, we've got Dan Babos. We've got a load of boys. Um, you know, really, really promising, and and hopefully with the with the right boys around them and, and leadership, they they come through and have successful careers. I think that's the the really encouraging thing as well is there's there's so much talent that's that's around, but there are guys like you like yourself who've um who've been as you know, well you're only only twenty five years old, so you've got a lot more rugby to play, but you've got loads of experience yeah. under your belt as well. So, you know, I think it, in the space of a couple of seasons it's gone from being a young squad with with perhaps not not a, the depth of some of the other sides, but Guys like yourself, who've got that experience, plus some season pros coming in, and the next, the next grade, you know, it does feel like exciting times. Definitely, yeah, and and you might, I think you said at the, you know, at the start about it being, uh, you know, the right balance, and I think, um, you know, at times was our squad, um, you know, young and inexperienced um, on the large, uh, yeah. Um, you know, did we use it as an excuse and did it disadvantage us at times? Probably. Um, but like you said now, you know, we've got a lot more, you know, we've got the right balance of, of experience, you know, youth and and like you said, prospects. So um, it's, it's a good balance. It's a good mix. Um, everyone can learn off each other. And, um, you know, it's, it's really exciting for the future. On a personal level, as you said, a couple of times you've... Uh... You've been called up to the Wales squad and, and not got the opportunity to pull on the red jersey. Is is that going to be a name when we get back to playing on uh, when we get back to playing rugby? I keep saying we. Why do I keep saying we? <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm still uh, I'm not expecting that call up anytime soon. Um, <laughs> but yeah, is that is that a focus uh, when you get back to when you get back to playing, or is it just about going out and doing the job for the Dragons? Well, you know, I, I'd be lying if if I said that you know I. I, I wouldn't always want to play for Wales, you know, uh, and I think any rugby player in Wales would, uh, would tell you the same. So, of course, I, you know, I want to, I want to play for Wales, but at the end of the day, doing my job and doing the best I can for Dragons is is the only thing that's going to put me in a position to achieve that. So, um, 
you know, as, as much as I want it. Um, to me, there's there's no point in in sort of dwelling on it and like really charging towards it because um, you know sometimes things are out of your control. But if I just folk if I just focus on what I can do um, at the Dragons for the Dragons, um, then hopefully that'll come in the future. There's a few games left uh, in this season. Say some some Welsh derbies followed by the uh, the Challenge Cup quarter final against Bristol. Uh, is that cup game the focus, or will you be looking to make a statement in the derby games? Um, I think we'll be looking to to make a statement in the derbies. You know, no matter what a derby is, you you don't want to lose it. You don't want to lose it. You know what I mean? So, um, it's it's not going to be a game that um, is is just sort of seen as a warm up or or whatever. Not to the boys anyway. I don't think. Um, or especially not for me personally, you know, I'm going to want to go out and put my name forward to be on my starting sheet, um, you know, for the remainder of this season and going into next. So that's probably going to be be the key for boys. Um, but obviously then Europe has, has its own importance then. Um, you know, we, we'll be looking to push on. We'll be facing a tough Bristol side, um, you know, with the, with the squad they got. But, you know, we always seem to fr- uh, thrive in, in Europe and, and we've had a pretty good run in the past. So hopefully we can uh, we can keep that going and, you know, and get some results in the upcoming games. Yeah, it is. I mean, it's, uh, it's a real shame because I was looking forward to, 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 go into that, uh, to go into that fixture in Bristol. And then obviously the, the other likelihood is it's going to be played behind, played behind closed doors. Um, yeah. Is it, you know, is it going to be weird? You know, I've obviously been watching the, the football and the cricket on telly and it's, it's, slightly, it's a slightly odd scenario. Do you think it's going to be, a, again, a bit, of a, a bit of a getting used to playing games behind closed doors? Yeah, definitely, you know, and, and one of the biggest things is, you know, the, the influence that the crowd can have on a game, whether, you know, you're home or away and you're receiving encouragement or, or distraction. You know, so um, it will be very different. You know, I'm not too sure how different it will be at the moment. But, um, yeah, you might have to keep reminding yourself that it's a competitive <laughs> game and not sort of a training game or something like that. Yeah, I reckon I reckon a, a couple of hits early on and uh, and everyone, everyone will be reminded pretty... Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah we we'll know where we are. We'll know where we are. Good stuff. Well, look, Ashton, thanks so much for joining us. Um, it's been, uh, yeah, it's been a real pleasure chatting to you. It's been great chatting about rugby, and it's been really important to, uh, you know, to hear those kind of things um, that you said in the first half of the show as well. So, uh, yeah, wish you all the best for the rest of the season, and uh, yeah, hopefully we'll catch up with you sometime soon. Cheers, mate. Thanks for having me. Thanks. Take care. Podcast Network.